0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now and now on with the show
1: Uh, so since we distracted oh, I ter- Yeah no, we'll I was just saying we, we, oh. we distracted Terrence, so we've got to get him back to his answer so I can uh, recut this so you guys will never hear all of our rambling uh, go Terrence.
0: just make a super cut of everything you cut out yeah. right and then at the end Oh, like, stay, oh my God.
1: stay tuned to the end of the credits you'll hear what I what was recorded You probably have 18 hours of me saying I just wanted to
2: say I just was going <laughs> to say I just want to say I can say All right Um, you don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake.
1: I love the Drake. How
2: could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake?
1: Who's
0: the Drake? The
2: Drake is good. Do you like the Drake?
0: I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake.
1: This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake.
0: Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the
1: Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes.
0: Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and
2: everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast.
1: Good for them. Love the Drake. Got you got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 118. The show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, whom is celebrating 80 years this year. We're also part of the Batman Universe Podcasting Network. And speaking of podcasting networks, we're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net, our primary home, and Batman on Films Batman Podcast Network, you can find us. Speaking of getting a hold of us, something that uh, we have that I have been a little lax on updating With just a few things, if you've been following Twitter with some of the crazy home repairs that we've had and uh, my wife's uh, medical condition just currently at the moment. I haven't updated this blogspot post yet, but it's something that I'm very passionate about and something to be able to have a little extra content for our two shows being Everyone Loves a Drake and Everyone Loves Young Justice. So I'm hoping after I finish this intro, I can start updating that uh, Blogspot page. You can find us at everyonelovesthedrake.blogspot.com. Again, that's going to be a central hub for the ELTD Podcast Network. There's a third network for you uh, that will give uh, myself terrence ryan and Jay Oz a spot if we want to write some pieces or just more context into the individual episodes for the two shows maybe a piece of robin memorabilia that terrence ryan and i have or something young justice that we have that since it's an audio medium that we can post it on facebook and twitter but to give you a little bit more uh you can uh see those things and other write-ups and full write-ups and synopsises that you hear on the show and another way for you to contact and comment back and forth with us on episodes and you can do it on the Batman universe but again a little extra content does not hurt to give you more Drake and uh, you can find us on Facebook like I mentioned at facebook.com slash everyone loves a Drake we are on Twitter at ELTD podcast we have an Instagram page and I just put up a piece that I bought at Hobby Lobby just a couple days ago, and those wood plaques that you see, again, talk about an audio medium, and I'm trying to describe an image for you. Two plaques that I have bought in the last couple of years are currently on my wall that I'm looking at is Batman number 1 from 1940, and then Detective Comics number 0 when the whole zero hour thing is. And everybody pretty much knows what the Batman number one issue is. It's Batman and Robin swinging across the yellow sky. The Detective Comics Zero issue from Zero Hour is Batman and Robin swinging across the sky going the opposite direction. But that's more of a blue like cityscape. But that Robin in that picture is Tim Drake. Well, yesterday I found one of those call like 3d hologram images so depending on which way you look at it it kind of moves and it's those two images combined so my wife talked me into it she said you know this would actually be really cool you've got those two wooden plaques of that those two same images and if I put this one in the middle it's kind of like a transition between those two so I just hung all three plaques up I haven't got a picture of that but you can see the picture that I took actually it's a video quick little almost like a boomerang-type video, on Instagram. So all that to say, hey, there's a new post on Instagram. It's really pretty cool. Uh, You can find it at Hobby Lobby is where I bought mine. I think it was like 20 bucks. But if you download the Hobby Lobby app, you can get a 40% off coupon, off any regular priced item. So, hey, that was a steal in and of itself. So there's a little plug for, for Hobby Lobby. We're not even a sponsor. So... And uh, speaking of getting in contact with us, there's so many social media outlets out there with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but it'd be great to get some emails into the show or commenting on the BatmanUniverse.net or our our blogspot page. But if you want to drop us a line, you can do so at robineltdpodcast.yahoo.com. So, episode 118, we are back after about two weeks off with some things that I had going on. I finally got this episode ready to go, and we are unbeknownst to us at the time. We knew this was leading into Legacy. But according to the new trade that I just picked up not that long ago, uh, the two legacy trades, the stories that you're going to hear today being Detective Comics, and I'm quickly looking at my notes here. There we go. Uh, looking at Detective Comics, 697, 698, and 699 are included in this new legacy trade, which you've kind of seen me post some images on Twitter and Instagram and uh, so forth and so on and what have you. So this is actually technically going to be a prelude episode of Legacy, which Terrence and Ryan, I kind of knew that's what this was anyway, but the powers that be at DC decided, you know what, there are elements of all of these stories and in 699 is the first official mention that the Clench is back, so they included this in this uh, two-volume trade, which is really nice. So officially we can say this is the start of our legacy coverage. And then legacy doesn't officially start till detective comics 700, but you get the idea because there's a Robin issue that kind of fits in there and a couple other, like a shadow of the bat. We have a Robin issue coming up a couple episodes from now. So again, I keep saying this, this is something that we've been really kind of chomping at, at the bit to do. And I think as far as events go, I think Legacy is the first official big crossover, you know, kind of excluding Contagion that when people talk about events, like Nightfall being the most recent as far as big Batman universe events, even though Contagion was it really didn't have big lasting ramifications. I think legacy is arguably one of those falls under the radar a little bit, but I think after our coverage of this, you'll see that this is one of those big stories that unfortunately doesn't get a lot of love and attention, but I think it is a really well-written story and it's one that is primarily helmed by Chuck Dixon, which I mean, you can't go wrong there. So Terrence and Ryan are here in this episode and like in normal eltd fashion which you heard at the beginning of this the intro wasn't uh, actually recorded at the time that we had done this episode so like any of the movies that if you stay after the credits you usually get a bonus scene or something like that and ryan and terrence are probably saying right now oh don't tell them that there's something at the end well there's something at the end so if you heard the cold opening of the show I clearly said that at the at the beginning of it that this was one of those episodes when because we i we'd recorded this like almost two months ago. And I knew there was something about this episode, and I couldn't quite remember what it was. So when I started editing it, I heard some things in the episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. So in typical ELTD fashion, this is one of those, we just recorded a bunch of stuff, and then Terrence and Ryan are like, okay, Rob, have fun editing that. So this is a fun episode to do. So you're going to hear the polished version of the episode. And if you listen to the end of the credits, you'll find out what I had to do to get this episode there. So this is where we're going to pause for a couple promos. When we come back on the other side, we'll hear the synopsis. And then Terrence Ryan and myself will go through this three issue arc for detective comics. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. And thanks for listening. The justice league
2: wouldn't help. Him, so Batman formed a new team. These people of power are all looking for something, be it their past or a purpose Are simply somewhere to fit in. These are the heroes for a troubled age. They are the outsiders. We are the outsiders. Covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning, as they face villains
1: no other team can, like Agent Orange. The Force of July. And the nuclear family. (laughs) Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehuntresspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. We are The Outcasters, because to live outside the law, You must be honest. In
2: April of 1940
1: at DC Comics, with Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson would introduce the world to the first sidekick, Dick Grayson, aka Robin, the Boy Wonder, in issue 38 of Detective Comics. With the first year of Batman's crime-fighting under his utility belt,
2: the editors at DC wanted a way to bring in younger readers to their books. They wanted to give them a POV into Batman's character and a hero they could relate with and see themselves swing across Gotham City's
0: streets alongside Batman. Robin was the window. Over the last eight decades, there have been many incarnations of Batman's trusted partner. From the comics, TV, silver screen, video games, animation, and toys, Robin has been at
1: Batman's side in his or her classic look of red, green, yellow, and black. This year in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin, and so will Terence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. Every other episode this year, well, <laughs> as long as Rob can keep everything straight,
2: will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s 2000s DC timeline.
0: The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin in a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation. Hey, wait. So, like, uh, we, could we be reading Red Hood and
1: the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing? Yeah, that's the idea.
0: Whoa, 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 Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or dare I even say, Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66
2: episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns and. Oh no! No! Scott Lobdell?
1: No! okay uh while i give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information you can find our show robin everyone loves the drake comic podcast through the batmanuniverse.net podcasting network also available on apple podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from now if you'll excuse me i think terrence might need a bottle of water or maybe a paper bag
0: oh new 52 it's gonna be okay terrence it's gonna be okay change of tim drake's origin don't worry terrence crazy red
2: robin costume It'll be okay uh. maybe it won't happen time to listen to Overdrawn
1: Over you Overnight That's what you do Why don't you... All right, let's look at the credits for the three issues that we're going to be discussing in this episode. And again, I'm using Mike's Amazing World and DC Comics Fandom for the credit information. I'm also using DC Fandom's synopsis that they have written in here. And like always, I'm going to add or embellish some of the synopsis that are in for these three issues because some are incomplete or are done very, very, you know, very minimal, just a quick broad stroke. But I want to give a little bit more context to the three issues that are here. So the cover credits for detective comics, six ninety seven reads as follows. Cover date is June, 1996 with an on sale date of April 17th, 1996 with the cover price of $1.95. And the editor is Scott Preston. Now the, Credits for the three issues are exactly the same, so I won't be reading them every single time. So the writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Graham Nolan, the inker is Scott Hanner, the letter is John Costanza, the colorist is Gloria Vasquez, and the cover credits go to Graham Nolan. He's only listed as the cover credit on Mike's Amazing World on 697 but the following credits go to uh, the inker Bill Stanswick, so I would imagine that for some reason they had left that off because in the final one, it's, it's exactly the same. And now a synopsis for 697, Deadbolt. Two-Face is being taken to Arkham Asylum when suddenly the police car is struck by another car. Two-Face thinks this is all part of a plan to take him out, but then Lockup shows up and knocks out Two-Face and leaves the scene carrying the criminal. Batman, Robin, and Nightwing watch the crime scene investigation and know that there's someone abducting criminals and taking them to an unknown location. They discuss the matters further with recently reinstated police commissioner Jim Gordon. Lockup takes Harvey Dent to a secret jail where he is holding allergent and killer moth prisoner. Lockup is an abusive jailer who uses extreme force with his inmates. Batman devises a plan to catch Lockup's attention. He pays a visit to Joe Rabbit and his accomplice and forces him to surrender himself to the police. Batman and Jim Gordon agree on letting Rabbit out on parole if he speaks about Black Mask's illegal activities. It's all over the newspapers and Lockup decides to abduct Rabbit as well. Unlucky for the plan, Black Mask also notices the news and sends his false face society to deal with Rabbit. Rabbit is under police protection in a hotel while Nightwing is surveilling outside. When the False Face Society arrives, Nightwing tells Batman, and Batman attacks them on the inside of the hotel. Robin is waiting inside, and together they take out the whole gang. At that moment upstairs, Lockup appears out of nowhere and is ready to take Rabbit with him, but Harvey Bullock and Rene Montoya take him down and bring the man to justice. Batman is unhappy with the result, and he wanted Lockup to tell them where he had taken the criminals he abducted. Lockup tells the police that if he is convicted, he will not tell him where his prisoners are and they will die of starvation. Detective Comics 698 The Tomb. The prisoners on Lockup's prison are starving. Bolton, a.k.a. Lockup, has been captured by the police and refuses to tell them the location of his prison. Later that night, Lockup manages to escape and steal a police car to reach his prison and feed his prisoners. Commissioner Gordon notifies Batman about Lockup's escape, and the vigilante starts a new plan with Robin and Nightwing to recapture him. Batman devises a plan that involves three of Lockup's possible next targets. Batman disguises himself as Matches Malone and infiltrates the gangsters, Vanna triplets, inner circle, and expects Lockup to show. Soon the goons suspect that Matches Malone is wired. They take Malone into a car in order to finish him off in a more quiet, dark place. The second target is a child abductor and murderer named Jay Hoffman. Nightwing is in charge of looking over the man's apartment. Everything seems quiet at Hoffman's apartment. Hoffman is cooking dinner and serves two plates. Then Nightwing remembers that Hoffman lives alone. He enters the man's apartment and discovers that Hoffman has abducted another child. Nightwing puts the man down and rescues the kid, but there are no signs of lockup. still. The third target is Elman Adams. Tim already knows this guy, and he is sent over to check Adams' turf. Tim disguises himself as a young delinquent named Alvin Draper. Tim tells Adams that he needs some weapons. When Adams is showing Tim some weapons, an armored car crashes the place. Adams runs away, but Tim stays. He tries to radio Batman and Nightwing, but his efforts are futile. Lockup is angry because his target escapes and knocks out Tim and takes him as a consolation prize. Detective Comics 699 The Chain Lockup has captured Robin, and while working undercover, Lockup brings him to his own personal prison. Robin, still disguised as Alvin Draper, is unable to contact anyone, but finally gets a hold of Nightwing through his wristwatch radio communicator. As he's doing so, Lockup takes Alvin down a long hallway. Alvin is struggling to break free. Nightwing can hear all the commotion, as Lockup tosses Draper into a bath, leaving Alvin soaking, and it manages to short out his radio transmitter. And even worse, this causes his disguise to wash off. Lockup drags Tim back down the long hallway, takes his fingerprints so he can figure out who this kid is, and once he's done, he throws him in his cell and slams the door shut. While inside, Tim can see that he's not alone. There are others incarcerated here as well, in this makeshift prison. Tim can see Charex, a.k.a. Killer Moth, and another individual he does not recognize, and Two-Face. Meanwhile, in another part of Gotham City, Malone is not faring much better himself. The goons that have Bruce captive check to see if he's wearing a wire and decides that it's best to shoot him and be done with this nuisance. Malone bashes one of them in the chest and kicks the driver of the speeding car in the head. The passenger takes out a gun and fires at Malone, but Bruce dodges just in nick of time as he does so if a speeding car crashes into the barricade. Meanwhile, in the Batcave, a message arrives from Oracle, saying that one of its members is having its fingerprints accessed, a security measure put in by Bruce to detect such an event. Alfred lets Oracle know that the identity and rap sheet Tim is using, so she can change the prints of his system to match. They can also pinpoint Tim's last transmission and send Nightwing on a rescue mission. Nightwing takes a boat to the old Gunnery Harbor and makes his way inside. Lockup tries to get the drop on Nightwing, but Dick is too fast for him and cuffs him in a matter of seconds. As Naomi tries to free Tim, he winds up accidentally freeing the entire cell block, including Two-Face and Killer Moth. In the confusion, Lockup has escaped his bonds, in part because he's also a master escape artist, and flees the scene and pumps water from the control room and floods the entire cell block. He's going to drown everybody and escapes through the hatch before it happens. Moments later, the Batman arrives on the scene, having survived the car crash. Eventually, Batman sees Two-Face holding Tim as hostage. The Batman leaps through the hatch with such speed and grace that catches Harvey completely by surprise, and Batman lands a well-deserved punch right to Two-Face's jaw. The GCPD arrive moments later to see all the criminals that Lockup has captured and the Bat family nowhere in sight. Meanwhile, Commissioner Gordon is given news that Mayor Kroll has suddenly died. From what the hazmat team and the medical examiner can induce, it can only mean one thing the clench has returned. Crack an egg on it! Caca! All right, the books we're going to be looking at today, we're going to look at a few of them. Uh, we're going to look at Detective Comics 697, 698, and 699, which will take us right to the front doorstep of Legacy, which I believe uh, Ryan is eagerly (laughs) waiting Mm. for us to get that. Let's just fast forward these podcasts and get in uh,
0: Yeah, I (laughs) I did it.
1: Here we are. Legacy. Legacy. Let's talk about that. (sighs) (laughs) So, uh... Uh, It was actually Terrence that uh, brought this to my attention. I think I had had these like, oh, if we want an episode to kind of throw in to help tie some stuff together, but I would kind of forgot about it, so it was actually Terrence. I going to kind of throw it over to you, Terrence. What made you want to go to this? If you
2: are a Batman fan of the the mid-90s, this is just like the classic Batman of the mid-90s. If you like Tim Drake, this has got everything. It's got a character... From the animated series. It's got a Batman, Robin, Nightwing team-up. It's got amazing art by Nolan. It's got...
0: It's got a good supporting character. You got you got Oracle and Gordon. Matches Malone. Matches Malone, oh my god! And Alvin Draper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jeez. Two-Face.
2: And the whole GCPD <sighs> with, you know... It's got a uh, good, hardback, it's got a good Mont- Montoya
0: yeah. and Bullock moments. Yeah. It leads into the big...
2: Legacy. This isn't just a Mm -hmm. um, throwaway kind of uh, arc, because it does tie right into and and forwards the story going with Legacy. Had you read this before the podcast, or is this your first time?
0: This is my first time reading it, but weirdly, a lot of it looks familiar, and I believe that is because... We'll get more into this in the Legacy episodes, but I think in I can I'd have to turn around and pull it off the shelf and check, but I I have my original Legacy trade paperback, and while it has most of the issues in there, it, it gives you like a couple of pages of preamble stuff of trying to tell you, oh, this is what happened in Contagion, this is what happened, you know, trying to get, quickly go through some story threads, and it just has some text next to panels of other issues, and I think it grabs some stuff in this, because, spoilers, in the third issue of this arc we're going to talk about, Miracle dies with the new strain of the virus, and I was like, I've seen this before. I'm pretty sure that this that that specific thing is like told to you at the beginning of that legacy trade paperback. Yeah, because it foreshadows Tim Drake. Exactly, because you're like, when yeah. they say, like, as soon as the guy <laughs> yeah. sees that, it, he's like... It, it brought me right back to Contagion, it, but it's like, a, it's like a sequel, quasi-sequel. He's like, we're back at square one. Everybody that had this virus is going to get it again, but worse. And I'm just like, oh, no, it's being all topical, eerily, yeah. like current events. It's like, ugh, it feels bad. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk so, about the covers?
2: Yeah. Because uh, I wanted to say something. Cover 6.99. Wouldn't that be an awesome cover to get signed by Dixon and Nolan and Hannah? If you had like a silver sharpie and they signed like mm. the red blood area, mm. even mm-hmm. though the cover's got nothing to do with what's in the book, it's a <laughs> blank
0: space for somebody yeah. to do like a like a marker, like a like a like a sketch. remark
1: or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it's such a uh, an odd cover, like. It's cool, but to go, like, I'm really in a rush. What if we just cover this whole cover, like, with blood water or red water and do just a little bit of Batman? But it's actually a really striking cover. I picked this up recently, probably, Now oh, I shouldn't say recently with all this going on. Sometime in January or February, this is one of the, I was trying to complete my Detective Comics run, and this was actually... All 1,000 issues? Yeah, well, <laughs> my, my Dixon, my Dixon uh, a detective run. Yeah, because I've got a, a Detective Comics 27, and I'm moving to China. <laughs> Maybe not China. The moon, somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's very ambitious, Rob. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but this was actually upside down in the uh, the box. Somebody must have taken it out, oh. turned it upside down. And I was like, what's this? So I actually had flipped through it, and I was on my phone my using my comics app, and I saw the cover, and I was like... Wait a minute, was that what I was looking for? I bet I had looked through this box a million times and had saw the bottom of this and thought, I don't know what this is, but I never t- took the time to pull it back out. So yeah, I-, I dug this cover. And I also really like 697 with uh Lockup Dragon Harvey down the row of... uh looks like cells with the lights coming in, and it's done in that uh, almost 1980s studio portrait where you've got yeah. the family, you got the faces side of the face, but to a better degree than what those old studio portraits were. But I, I dig that one. I would have thought I would have liked 698 as well, but that's probably – there's something off about the cover, and I'm not quite sure. I don't know if it's because it's shot kind of from above, but – Two-Face's legs look a little tiny below the knee. Like, it's just, it's in a weird position. Seeing Charix on the cover there, or Killer Moth, just set me down the whole, like, oh, wow, that's right, that story back in what Robin 24 was going on. So, did you guys have any your thoughts about the other two covers?
2: 6.98, I actually, when I pulled it out, thought it was a Brian Boland art i uh, did too and yeah. then i looked closer and i was like oh nolan other than that no other comments <laughs>
0: <laughs> ryan you at all yeah i mean the, the most striking one out of the 3 is for for me is the 699 and i don't know what it is i think it's just something about pent ultimate issues before a big Milestone issue that always fascinate me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah we always have issue a hundred or issue seven hundred, but what did they do for the one right before it, for the ninety nine or six ninety nine or whatever? I always something. Like, I don't know. It's just something about that that um, comic book numbering and covers and things that I always find interesting. And so, I think all three of these issues is something that are ones that I picked up relatively recently as well when we were talking about getting into legacy quite a while ago, I had to go back in my shoes and look at my, what I had and didn't have. And the, I think I had one of the three. So I, I was on the lookout for the other two for quite a while. And I had just kind of forgotten or never really knew what they looked like. And so I remember picking it up at the store and being like, whoa, this is a really, you don't really see like the stark white, uh, and covers like that. Uh, unless it's, unless they do like one of those, um, like really graphical things, where like a standard comic book cover is—it's something that you don't see a lot of. I think there's later on there, or I don't remember—I don't remember if it's after this or before this. There's a Riddler cover somewhere in here in Detective Comics. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? With yeah, like yeah, a stark white background and stuff, and that is it—the one where he's with Cluemaster. I—I uh, don't know. I don't know. see um, seven oh five and seven oh
2: six are Riddler stories, but they're not white. No, I don't know. It's like, now we want to look at it. Now it's piqued
0: my curiosity. Like, i got to see this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm scrolling uh, in Indies universe. Oh, I'm thinking about 707. It's 707, yeah, where the Riddler's coming in from the side. There you go. And, and that's what it is. Because it's got oh, okay, it's, okay, it's yeah. white background and blood. Red. You know, Batman's bleeding, and it's got the okay. Riddler, Riddler on the cover. Yeah, That's the one that was in, in my head, too. Yeah, good call. Not that long after uh, Legacy.
2: And that one, well, that cover, sorry, Rob, that cover yeah. is also a Nolan cover. And I was going to say, mm-hmm. Nolan's impressive here because he was, he was on for the contagion. I think his art looks great and is better than ever in these issues. It's really, I feel like the image stuff going on at the time is letting some artists really spread their wings. He did these three issues. My, my covers, 699 says late July and 698 says early July. So those were shipped two in a month and then 700 is a larger sized issue so he he turned out a lot of good quality work in a short little time here
1: well yeah and that's what i was uh, gonna say too about short little time i guess i had always thought legacy was a little farther down the road you've almost got two big batman universe you know world changing events happening almost right back to back with one another You get just a couple issues of Detective, couple issues of Robin, and we're already back into the second part of Legacy and the, the virus, you know, turning its ugly head, which makes me go in just our real world, like, oh please, don't don't let that happen Uh, now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about these issues now. Typically what we would do, we would kind of go through each of these. We're going to kind of maybe go book by book, but maybe not so much page by page. I've got a few things that I've uh, written here. One of the earlier latter podcasts that you have listened to, depending on where these fall chronologically for us, is Lockup as a character that... Uh, Dixon is bringing back in. I think these three issues, this is one of those things I think Dixon really plays his hand very well with like, here are plot points and characters and things that I set in motion. It's always fun to see Dixon say, all right, it's been four or five months, or it's been a year, whatever the time frame is, let's reintroduce these things back in. And I think that's something that has always made Dixon's books feel like a living breathing thing to to some extent where you kind of remember events or remember characters and it's just not thrown in one time and they're forgettable even the the minorist characters can be brought back in even with like the returning character of young L that killed Carl Rainick was something that when i was reading that you know we had Chris Clow on a few episodes back, probably like four or five episodes back in that green arrow crossover. And this is something that we're seeing. That was a a cool, a cool sequence in this. You get matches Malone and Alvin Draper together in one book. I don't know if that's ever really happened before that Bruce and Tim are both using their disguises to go out and, you know, find where once they figure out like, who lockup is and what's going on trying to figure out like where he's taking people and trying to piece that stuff back together. So I guess like one of the first questions I want to ask the both of you, like what did you think of like Dixon, like rebringing in some of these elements from like underworld unleashed with the Cherix character lockup and even going back to Carl Rannick's killer, bring, bringing him in here. That's the person that Tim is going out to uh, talk to. Let's start with uh, Ryan.
0: I love it because it makes all of these Dixon issues just that much more fun to read. I mean, sometimes when you just try to jump into a random issue, it can be a little weird, like, oh, what? This is a weird guy from a crossover. And that kind of happens here because I didn't read the Underworld stuff, but, all, but it was enough for me to be like, oh, that's a weird version of killer moth like i didn't that's all i really needed to know you know i mean because he does a good job of that and it's easy to see that stuff compared to oh some of these things are obviously plants or scenes to set up the next like big story arc or whatever and i love this style of storytelling to me it's it's very reminiscent of like um like newspa- newspaper strip storytelling where you can mm. have a plots and B plots. And maybe they would do like for some of the, the old phantom strips and, you know, of course the phantom, I think I always think of that those, because, um, Graham Nolan did the artwork and maybe some of the writing on that phantom Sunday newspaper strip for for, oh, yeah. for a long time. So it, it reminds me of that. And you can tell, uh, a, a, a story in the in the Sunday story strip and I mean, that's in color and a B story and during the week or whatever or set, th- set things up and then pay things off and, and stuff like that and so a lot of Dixon's writing especially with Graham Nolan remind is reminiscent up to me of like a comic book version of that <laughs> and mm-hmm. I love that because it just makes you want to read more comics right and just see oh, what happens next and it's cool to see stories that can be like these are three issues but they feel like Just a nice, concise. They they all flow. Here we go uh, (laughs) with each with each other. But it also sets up the next thing. Um, And I just think that consistency between Dixon and Nolan in a lot of these issues is just it's just really nice. And a lot of people these days talk about you know the Snyder um, the Scott Snyder and Greg Pullo stuff. But but I think you can you can find really good pairings like that all throughout comic history and and the Dixon Nolan era is definitely up there for me in terms of like the consistency and and that kind of thing. What
2: I love about these issues is that they don't start out with like the X-Men three pages of you know exposition telling who everybody is, and my name is you know Logan, and they call me Wolverine, and I live editor's in a Note. mansion. And yes, and then exactly, there's not <laughs> eighteen thousand editor's notes like to learn more about
0: Lockup. Read Robin, you know fourteen. Oh, it's to see natu- what happened with uh, I love it Ch- when, when, when they know, can yeah. when they can fit that stuff in naturally in the dialogue with the characters. It's kind of <laughs> like too. what what a yeah. TV show would do, even between um, commercial breaks or something like that. Why am I, or or you hear this a lot in, uh, they do this really, in my opinion, masterfully in the, in the, for example, in the Nightfall radio drama, it's when they like describe why they're there and what they're doing. It's like stuff you wouldn't say um, in a normal conversation, but it's like. It makes sense in the way they're trying to present the story. Like, I captured you, and now you're in this place, with no notion of why you're here because I took you, and you were just a student in Gotham University. You know, stuff like that. And <laughs> they do that in some of these issues too. But it's it's natural enough, and it it it, it works. You're right, Terrence. It works better than just a, a you know, a caption or an editor's note. Oh, you read, gotta read Underworld Unleashed to get what's why this is happening. Yeah, some some of the Marvel books in the '90s, it was like every
2: three panels. Check out Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 127. And if you had not read the Robin series at all, you could read these three books and there'd be no problem and you wouldn't be like, wait, what was this guy again? Why is the moth? But yet, if you read the Robin, it just adds so much more character and and nuance to the story. So it's a masterful job by Chuck Dixon.
1: Well, and one of the other things I really like, I mean, you had said it earlier, Terrence, that Nolan is at the top of his game in in this book. You could take out all of the word balloons and his art under the direction of Dixon of like all right here's here are the scenes that I'm mapping out to you. You can figure out what is what is going on and almost make up your own story and probably get pretty close to what is on the page here, even just some of the little tiniest details that when you have. Especially when Black Mask is like pouring his drink and you have Montoya and Harvey Bullock on the bed. That Those little scenes right there, just little details into the windows and the folds of the bed sheets. And even just that page on uh, the picture, well, rather, on page 12 with Batman in shadow and you have the light coming in kind of sideways from the light of the window just looks really really cool I think the art through these three issues like you said earlier he was churning out quite a lot at this time so for the art from even just going from contagion to this and then probably prepping for legacy you're not really seeing a dip in his art at all so I thought that was just awesome I I, I liked it quite a bit do you guys have any comments just on his art overall? In I have just, a quick one a, yeah yeah like in a, in a lot of these issues, um, I think
0: when, who knows how this episode is going to be cut together, but but when me and Terrence were just talking about without you, Rob, um, one of the things that Terrence mentioned is 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 how these three stories are. It's a really nice status quo type of story of of your your Batman and your. Nightwing and Robin all working together and I think that that structure Mm -hmm. is really cool for this that especially early on it gives each character like an A plot, B plot, C plot that are all trying to work towards this common goal of, of their mission in these issues. The writing's really good but Nolan's art does a lot of extra enhancement like with facial with the way that he makes like the facial motions and stuff like that like the like early on in that first issue, I don't have my page, I don't have page numbers here, but uh, on DC Universe it says it's page five. Just when when Nightwing swings in and mm. Nightwing looks, you know, like cool. I'm cool, Nightwing, and Robin looks excited. Oh, Nightwing's here! And then Batman's got like a half smirk, but he's facing the camera, so nobody sees Batman smiling except for mm-hmm. the reader. You know, stuff like that tells you a lot about the characters and where they're at. And how they're being portrayed, um, so you get like a level of you know connection with them that isn't isn't exactly the same as the way that their characters are connecting in the story. And I think that's really cool. His
2: art, Nolan's art, looks huge. Like it's big in these issues. Mm. Pages mm-hmm. rarely have three or four panels or more. You know, there's a lot of full page, two panels, three panels. He draws Batman great, he draws Robin great, and he draws Nightwing great. And that's hard. A lot of times you read a comic and, and one or two look great, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, two-face is, one of,
0: yeah, two, and Two-Face is one of, um, I think we can safely say by now, he's got to be one of Chuck Dixon's most favorite villains, because he's in it a lot. Yeah, a He's lot, in Robin yeah. things a lot, too. And of course, now that there's two Robins, <laughs> we have Two-Face, <laughs> and he's got lots of 2 faced puns. And just to add to your point, we love sidebars on this show, but to add to your point, Terrence, of of, there's a lot of big pages and big art in this book, it it starts at the cover. You see like a big half-Batman face with an extra vignette inside of it, and then the first page, big characters, big characters, and big two-page splashes and stuff. I think in the last episode that I was on, I don't know what the show numbers are these days, but the last episode (laughs) I was on, I talked about reading some of the issues in, in DC Universe. And I did that on this too, but I read the two of these issues on DC Universe on my TV in like the big picture mode. And these, I gotta say, these issues look phenomenal just on the TV, oh, blown bet. up like with the full like color gamut stuff. with in the dark, blown up? Just because everything's so big in these issues, they in particular they looked really, really nice on on a modern TV.
1: One section I really liked is in six ninety eight, and I don't know, I don't know why. If it's just more of a grounded moment, you've got Nightwing, Robin, and Alfred in the Batcave, and Alfred is bringing down the pizza, and then Dick's not wasting any time, and Bruce is coming in, and I just kept re- re-reading this page a couple different times, and just the Alfred's bringing down pizza, and it's kind of a little snarky with uh, playfully with with Nightwing, and he just. Almost has his tongue out in uh, what is it? Page uh, ten. You know he can't wait to eat it. And the the moment where Batman says, "I've pulled up the possibilities of the steak out. is that pizza I smell? <laughs> <Steak>. And I <laughs> and I had to read, look up like what other topping is Nightwing have? Like I've never sausage. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah and I, once I saw that's what it was, I was like, oh, I thought it. Did they try and write anchovies or something weird? Is that why Batman <laughs> won't won't eat pizza? So I don't know what it was, but in all of the crazy, you know, Batmaning that all these characters can do, it's nice when Dixon can write these little moments of them eating and them kind of poking at one another. Like, oh, Batman must be a vegetarian. He doesn't want to doesn't want to eat meat on his pizza or. If Rob thought it must be fish. He doesn't like seafood on his pizza. No, it's or...
0: fun. It's fun having Batman interactions. A little, little spoiler: whenever the Azrael podcast comes out. We, there's some Denny O'Neill has some Batman and Alfred food food chat um, in one <laughs> of the sort of Azrael issues. That's fun. But that page with the pizza in the in six ninety eight reminded yeah. me of a lot of scenes from the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie. Because there's yeah. a lot of, of course, a lot of Bat- people trying to get Batman to eat pizza <laughs> in that movie. So I mean, that was fun. And speaking of food, in in issue si- or you know, food and beverage, of course, issue 697, yeah, since issue six ninety seven, yes, in six ninety seven, Black Mask has you know Nolan drew in a special Dixon wine, Chuck Dixon wine. It says like Dixon wine. It's got like a Chuck Dixon like caricature, I believe, <laughs> like in the wine. You got to look at it really closely. So that's oh, yeah. a fun little addition. It's always fun to see that those little random Easter eggs the artists put into these issues. You know, it, it may, you can tell they're having fun when they're doing it.
2: Yeah, he did that. Oh crap, where is it? I gotta find it. I just had it. Oh, issue seven oh four, which we won't cover probably, but he he put a newspaper in Gotham Gazette, and he has the inker Kevin Nolan, and it says like inker convicted of um, gratuitous <laughs> alterations on the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> That's hey, funny. And Rob, I was going to say, um, in these issues too, some of the greatest things aren't the huge battles and the epic fights. It is these little moments, like you said, like the pizza. And on page 7 of 697 is one of my all-time favorite Tim Drake, just little scenes where – Everybody disappears on Gordon like normal mm. but he still stays behind and he's I'm got a little smirk on his face and he just says I just wanted to yeah. say welcome back like that is such a cool Tim Drake kind of little thing and then he jumps off the building and then Gordon's just like well I'll be and it's just it's just this cool little moment that someone like Dixon can pull off just so perfectly
0: Yeah and, and that- that's and that whole little section to my earlier point, like that three or four panels that in a, like a newspaper strip that could have been like a whole, just one newspaper strip. It's its own little story in just a couple of panels. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. The scene with the pizza, right. Um, the scene where
2: Nightwing says, get it while it's hot. And Tim looks at like, he's very close to us and says, I'm hungry, but I'm not as hungry as those cons must be. And it shows like a level of compassion and like, Thoughtfulness in Tim that the others just probably hadn't even thought of, but yet doesn't make him some like wimpy, sissy kind of like, you know,
0: crybaby, but yet it's done just really well on Dixon's part. That's a yeah. good call, but I mean, character trait that you do see in other versions of Tim, like, that, that takes me right to, to Tynan's Tim in yeah. the Detective Comics arc, to
1: be honest. I want to jump to 699 because that's where this is. Leading us more so than what the Robin issue will that we'll discuss here in just a moment, but leading us into legacy, something that's kind of briefly glossed over. I think we even made mention in our Contagion episode about Mayor Kroll uh, being infected by the clench and, uh, or the clutch. I keep saying clench, like, come on, the clench hitter. He dies in this, and it's been three months since Contagion has ended. I think you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, Ryan. But as much as like Dixon wasn't really that much for the Contagion part of the storyline, I think, isn't Dixon the chief architect of Conta- or of Legacy? Legacy?
0: I think he is. I think we'd have to look at the, the issues, actual issues to see. But I think he wrote the bulk of them.
1: And I'd have to go back to episode 51. It's been a little bit since I read it. But I thought when we interviewed Dixon, I thought he kind of talked a little bit more like Legacy was his last... Like baby, as far as as an event would go, where he had the most say in what in what went on, so maybe I think you're, that's you're why Legacy that. kind of works better. If Dixon was like, "All right, if we're going to do this thing, then let's kind of steer the boat this way," because he won't. Plus, it's Bane be- and stuff. Spoilers. Yeah,
2: yeah, he wrote the. Catwoman, I think, has one issue in Legacy. But He was writing Catwoman then,
0: too, right? Yeah, and he was on
2: Catwoman. Detective Comics, I think, has two or three, or or just that big issue of 700, which is a larger size that he was writing, and Robin has
1: two issues
2: in it. So So that is the bulk of it, yeah.
1: How did you guys like how this ends? I guess, first of all, uh, before we get to the the last uh, little bit on this, more of a, I guess, a, a sad note, is how this ends for... For everybody in here and how it sets up kind of legacy and everything. Uh, did you like the use of Lockup uh, as a character? Uh, did you want to see more of Lockup? And are you really hoping that uh, Killer Moth re- returns to normal after this? Let's start with Ryan. I think I'm going to forget that Killer Moth exists
0: after this and then be surprised <laughs> when he comes back later, to be honest. Like, he, yeah. I don't really think he didn't really. I mean, he just kind of screeched a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really remember much there but yeah i think it's but lockup i think three issues there were already some other issues introducing him right that you guys right. covered before i think three issues with the, i mean he's pretty i mean again topical these days it be you know i'd be interested to see what a writer today could do with lockup because there, you could get pretty topical with the character like that mm-hmm. um, in today's environment and you could go pretty far with it. But but I think these three issues explore kind of all of that you could do with him at the time, maybe. I th- so, you know, I could kind of take him or leave him for, for other things. But uh, it is interesting to see, because he was created for the animated series, right? It's right. interesting to see a character like that
1: jump into the comics
0: for something like this.
1: Before Terrence answers, I'm going to throw another Quick question out there something that I had in my notes that I skimmed over that I was looking for. You know, Tim gets captured by lockup, he gets thrown in this cell. So when Nightwing comes in, like Two Face kind of realizes, like, well, mm. hey, that's you know, like Tim gets thrown in the water at one point, so his disguise comes off. So that left me going, Does Two Face may not know, like, hey, that's Tim Drake, but I think I've seen Robin unmasked. Like, that blew me away is the, the wrong word, but I was almost, like, shocked. Like, wow, like, if Two-Face was smart enough, he can, might be able to start going down the the rabbit hole of, like, hey, who these people are. Because in, what page is this? Page 21, he's got Robin by the back of the neck. Looks like he's going to drown him before Batman comes in. That's just a cool shot. So I just wanted you guys to... Thoughts on that, too, in addendum to uh, the earlier question I asked about, you know, lockup. So, Ryan, if you want to tag that on and Terrence. Yeah, yeah it's one, I think it's one of those comic book concessions
0: where you could go either way with it. Like, later on, they could be like, I put two and two together, and now I know that you're Robin. Or, or you could go, that's my two-faced voice, or you could go, like, just the next issue, and he's just like, oh, I never would have made the connection. I think either way, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. But it is cool to actually see it kind of play out in an actual issue. Terrets. It reminds me of my favorite
2: Justice League uh, cartoon moment when Flash changes his face. Oh, see, yes, I mean, yeah, 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 that's <laughs> what and he, yeah. And he runs into the bathroom. He's like, I can know the identity of the, the Flash. And he picks off the mask and looks in the mirror. He's like, I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> Before we turn the page, so to speak, figuratively and literally, I did want to mention I really liked how. In 699, the location of Lockup's facility was sort of pieced together slowly. Like, Alvin Draper radios to Nightwing that he's not sure where he was, but it's somewhere near the harbor. And then mm. I think Oracle, like, looks for his homing beacon before it went out when he gets thrown in water. And then I like how um, they run the, the fingerprints on um, Alvin Draper and Oracle. <laughs> I can only imagine what she types, but changes it and gives him this this rap sheet of like all these like horrible crimes that he did and everything. So and then Nightwing gets there, and but Lockup was waiting for Nightwing. So it's just these like little baby steps that just kind of
1: lead you along the way that I thought was really good. This ends with Gordon getting the call that Mayor Kroll has died and that the virus is back, and it says to be continued. In Robin 31. I was doing the
2: math. It took me a long time. I had to get a calculator out and everything. But uh, (laughs) Legacy has seven issues. And Dixon wrote five of them. So five of the seven issues. So you were right, Rob. This was his thing. And one day he may make a novelization. I don't know about that one. I may just be hallucinating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I did want to get your guys' take on – we talked about how great the artwork is. But there's one particular page, which I just was like, what the heck? Page 10 on 699, Nightwing. Does his head look – way too small on his giant back muscles for you. That that one just really kind of threw uh, me off. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about?
1: What's up yeah, that? He's running towards camera. That does look a, a little weird. So this was probably, if I was looking for something to nitpick, 10 and 11. That's the only really image we have of uh, Barbara down there in the very bottom. And like lockup looks really big. So I'm wondering if this was like... You know, Nolan going, all right, we've got legacy coming up, so I've got to get this third <laughs> issue it's like out. like a Rob Liefeld, almost. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was more he was trying to be
2: more like the image guys, and it got away from him. Because <laughs> that neck muscle is just way too weird. And if the head is coming towards us, the head should be the biggest part of the body. And it, <laughs> it's just
1: bizarre, yeah. And it's kind of the same way. It's a little bit better proportioned on 14, where it's all in red. Where lockup is jumping down from the ceiling on top of Nightwing, so his neck muscles are kind of protruding a little bit more, but at least his hair. <laughs> yeah, Nightwing is just ridiculously <laughs> ripped. Actually, yeah. it's, like, it's like a weird. think it's like a weird. It's like, oh, am I looking at a
0: new fifty-two? Yeah, version of Nightwing because he's yeah. all red. Yeah, It's <laughs> the lighting, but it is kind of interesting for, like, not really, but interesting foreshadowing. Like, oh, we it can work in red. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the Batman universe.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman related characters are under the copyright of DC comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes. So no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at robinELTDpodcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to TheBatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Over joy, over you,
0: Girl, that's what you do.
1: so why don't you? And really quick, I'm gonna edit this part out. I got to step out for uh, just a a minute, so uh, banter back and forth between yourself till I get back. Right. Okay. Hey, so we can Rob will never
2: hear
1: (laughs) if Rob wasn't here.
2: We could just leave stuff in here about Rob. So let me tell you what I hate about Rob. um, All right. So what did Rob ask me? Why did I want to do these books? Well, um,
1: let's start with uh, Terrence on this one.
2: Yeah, this is why I kind of part of your question that you said before why did you want to go over these issues like i almost felt like we had to because it's such a integral part of the robin story i I love it because it shows that dixon isn't just doing robin as some like one-off story on the side or something like that it's the actual like tapestry of the batman family you know so much stuff in here with lockup is from the robin book that if you weren't reading the robin book it wouldn't have quite the same payoff for you then the lockup doesn't really end here too cuz he'll come back in no man's land so it just kind of all just flows together so you have to remember to add some of this in your radio drama rob when you do the <laughs> uh, no man's land radio drama
0: <laughs> <laughs> right oh my lord <laughs> what's wait what's hold oh, on
1: need to cut here what's what's the actual question here Oh, sorry. Just, what did you think about Dixon being? Uh, let me try to say this in English. I'm, yeah, and I'm Rob, a if
2: my answer was kind of stupid. There, you can uh, edit it out too. <laughs> I was really distracted uh, because uh, I'm looking out the window and like, <laughs> like. Like, literally, like seven, like 18 year old girls all started walking towards the dead end on my street and going into the woods. And I'm like, what are these? People
0: <laughs> what the what hell? Is doing? this is like a weird <laughs> horror movie? Yeah, <laughs> it was.
2: It was exactly. And so I was, I, I kind of lost track of what I was saying there, <laughs> too. So, uh,
1: yeah. First of all, Terrence get off the computer and run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your street's not safe. Well, now I'm the creepy 45 year old man. I'm usually the killer in it. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my, the question was just Dixon being able to weave in and out characters that he set up in, you know, 10 issues ago and then bring oh, them yes, seamlessly yes, yes, back yes, yes, in. Like, yes. what do you think of yes. when any writer does something like this, but more importantly I, for, for Dixon.
2: Yeah, Rob, Something I i to.
1: Rob, oh, go ahead. I want to oh, change. I want to change my
2: answer from, <laughs> from, from previous. Uh, just cut,
0: cut everything out.
2: Before. Cut everything out. Just add yeah. this it or yep. leave it in so people can. This is this will be our Patreon. Here, you
0: know? um, L- listen to how Rob really makes a coherent episode. Listen to what yeah. he got. This <laughs> is the Rob work. Rob's not only making yeah. his own intros, but he's also like taking things like we're <laughs> we're like halfway through. No, no, no. Scratch that. What, what'd you say again? We're distracted yes. by like the horror movie that's outside. Coming, yeah. Dixon can like keep all
2: these plot points together for issues and issues and issues and months and months, and I can't even remember the what sentence was the from five minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> coming soon. Uh, the The Myers cut of this podcast. <laughs> this is not what I intended. Urgently. I think every I think every um,
0: episode of E L T D is the Myers cut.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, let's be honest here, folks. Well, I, you know, it's to sidebar real quick. I lose track of when things are said, <laughs> so I think I say something at a certain point, and then I listen. Of the podcast and i'd be like i made a great point about blue devil i can't believe rob cut that out and then like 10 minutes later then it'll come up and i'll say it i'm like oh i said what? it there well, Sorry, rob.
0: also well you also you know we are dealing with rob here he, m- rob might have taken that and be like you know what it makes a lot more <laughs> sense if i take this yeah. snip and
1: move. i it. would be lying if i said i have never s- gone into a podcast and like we were all over this place in this episode, so I have cut sentences and lines together so they all just kind of flowed. I'm, I'm purposely not trying to use fluidity. <laughs> it's so <laughs> hard. I think we're so
0: self-conscious of it now. Like it would, it would come out naturally, but now every time it does, it's like a drinking game. It's all like, right. oh,
1: take a drink. We said fluidity. Fluidity. <laughs> Uh, so, so since quick, we distracted, oh, I change, Ter- yeah, I no, we'll was just saying we, we, oh. we distracted Terrence, so we've got to get him back to his answer. So I can recut this, so you guys will never hear all of our rambling. Uh, Go Terrence! Just make a
0: super cut of everything you cut out. Yeah. Right? And then At the end, oh, like, stay, oh my God.
1: stay tuned to the end
2: of the credits. You'll hear what I what was recorded. You probably have eighteen hours of me saying. I just wanted to say. I just was going <laughs> to say. I just want to say. I can say. All right. Um so
1: why don't we just move well hey okay. Okay two quick things.